Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of Do I Still Love It? The nostalgic podcast that looks back at a time in your childhood where you also hope to be the subject of a hit and run with a mob boss. I'm Marshall James. And I'm Laura Weiss. And every week, we are joined by a special guest to watch a movie or TV show we remember loving when we were kids to see if we still love it now that we're grown-ups. And the former little kid, now grown-up, to join us is comedian and screenwriter John Clavier. Hey! Thanks for having me, guys. Thanks for being on, John. So, uh, why don't you tell the listeners just a little bit about yourself? Yeah, I'm, uh... I'm a comedian screenwriter and, uh, you know, occasional work in production. That's where we met. We met on a production job. Oh, yeah. Uh, and it's it's funny because it, we, we met when I was just sort of work, beginning work on this project. And uh, of all the people that I worked with who I told about Do I Still Love It, John was far and away that was like, that's fucking great. When are you going to do blank check? Yeah. And I'm like... When are you going to come on the show to watch Blank Check? Yeah, because I can't think of a, a better movie that... I rem- I love that movie. I haven't seen it since I was maybe like 10, maybe 11 years old, and uh, I loved it. You know, I thought it was great. Right. I don't know about you guys, but I sort of... I don't know, in, in a dark fantasy world of mine... I was some orphaned kid that was left a lot of money and was like living in a mansion and was just like totally that kid that was throwing raging parties right. and people were like, what's his story? And they're like, I don't know. Apparently like his parents died in like this crazy crash and left him a ton of money. <laughs> it sounds like you're describing Batman <laughs> yeah, a little bit. Yeah. Like, but Batman had to get all depressed about his parents dying and then decided he's going to fight crime instead of having great parties. Oh, man, I was such a different kid in my head. When I was 10, I just wanted to be Macaulay Culkin's sidekick, and for some reason, we were always on roller skates. Wait, in in your fantasies, you'd, like, have fantasies In my fantasies, me and Macaulay Culkin were BFFs. I did not have a crush on him. It was that, purely, that was saved for Jonathan Taylor yeah, Thomas. Yeah, that was Jonathan Taylor Thomas. <laughs> but in my in my childhood fantasies, I was BFFs with Macaulay Culkin. Home Alone era Macaulay yeah, Culkin? Yeah, Home okay. Alone era Macaulay Culkin. And we just like went crazy around town on roller skates and rollerblades. Wow, yeah, that'd be that's cool. a very specific. That's I feel cool. like he I would be it. able to bust some sick moves, and yeah. he would be able to like have some like marbles and weird things with him to kind of like create some mischief on Dude, the street. Dude, we oh. had the best time in my head. He yeah. would have a utility belt again, <laughs> cycling back into Batman. Macaulay Culkin would have a mischief maker utility belt. <laughs> yeah, totally. So speaking of a uh, blank check, John Clavier, in thirty seconds or less, what do you remember blank check being about? Uh, so a uh, young boy uh, gets hit by a mob boss's car, and the mob boss tries to uh, write him a check in order to kind of uh, buy him off so the kid doesn't say anything, but in a scurry is only able to sign it and date it and do everything but write the amount. And so this young kid, who I now know commits bank fraud and... Uh, <laughs> like massive bank massive fraud. Massive bank fraud. Uh, you know, uh, puts in a million dollars, cashes the check out, and then lives off the million dollars for, I think, a period of about three to four weeks. And from what I remember, he 
spends it in all the right ways. Uh, <laughs> he gets a castle. He gets a sumo wrestling costume thing. Oh, man. He has some, like, sidekick guy, some guy that's way too old to be hanging out with him. Right. That's, a, like, a limo driver. He's, like, like his best friend. Money will do that. It'll make weird friends. You mentioned, you mentioned the limo driver, and I feel like it's neither of these people, but in my mind, I always think it's either Andy Richter or like Louis Anderson. Louis Anderson, yeah, I right? I feel like it's one of those two, kind of like <laughs> yeah. a dumpy, roly-poly, but good dude. Like, not someone you think would be crazy yeah. around a kid, but still just like or the... Or like, derp, derp, derp. I don't know why I think it might be, and I know it's not, but it like an Oliver Platt type. Sure, you yeah, know? yeah. It's just like, a, but not as good of an actor. Point is, <laughs> point is, regardless, they're shaped like one of the Weebles. Right, yeah. <laughs> like, you yeah. Know, like, <laughs> More airing on the side of round than anything, right? But yeah, he's he's great. And then uh, Tone Loke, I think, <laughs> delivers one of his best performances. Oh, fuck, Tone Loke is in this. Yeah, that is random. Yeah, yeah. See, uh, for me, Tone Loke will forever be the rapping iguana from Fern Gully. So I keep forgetting that <laughs> yeah. he was in other things. <laughs> yeah, I think he, he, for me, do you guys remember Bebe's Kids? Yeah. Uh, he plays the little, little kid Bebe's, Bebe's Kids. He's like the littlest Bebe. Yeah, yeah, yeah the one in the diaper. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, Laura, is there anything you particularly remember about Blank Check? I'm going to admit. I don't know if I've seen this movie. Whoa, Whoa. really? Yeah. This is one of those movies, this movie just falls into like a big cauldron of 10-year-old boy without parental supervision movie. Yeah. There's so many. It definitely feels a bit of a... uh, uh, like, oh, how can we do a Home Alone? That was a really yeah. good movie. Yeah, for... that's... and I get it mixed up with Richie Rich, and so I know I've seen Bl- I know I've seen either Richie Rich or Blank Check, but I honestly can't tell you which one. So as we sit down and watch it, I'll find out. So, John Clavier, what was when was the last time you can really remember watching this movie, and what were you like at that age? Uh, the last time I don't know if. Um what you guys did after school but I both my parents worked and I uh, did extended daycare which was sort of just like like it wasn't so much school because all we did was just play pogs and kind of screw around for (laughs) three or four hours pogs I should note for our listeners under the age of 25 is uh, (laughs) a little circular cardboard was a super fad that lasted for about two years That involved uh, little circles of cardboard with printings of psychedelic blah, eight balls on them oh. and other patterns. And you would sling a solid metal Slammers. One called Slammers. And it's somehow people collected points. I don't remember. Brilliant. It, it's kind of stupid, but it was one of those things. Yeah, it was. <laughs> it was, it was, one of oh, those it was a huge thing. One of these days we will have to play it and see if. It's still worth loving. Well, yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, so anyway, I, the last time I remember this was, uh, it was we just finished Pogs. We'd probably just finished a game of Magic. Uh, we wanted to kill some time, and so I think we had this on VHS. We had a little TV in the corner, and me and some friends could always go over and just like throw on a VHS. And mm-hmm. I This think, was like one of four movies that was over there? Yeah, exactly. It was like, uh, you know, this one, like some sort of lame movie, maybe... Um, uh, 
some sort of workout video that was just like <laughs> sort of random and then like Animaniacs that was like recorded yeah, off yeah, of something. Yeah. <laughs> oh man. So this is obviously the best option. Yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. So this movie came out in 1994, which would have made me 11. And I know I definitely saw it in the theater. This would have been one of those movies that mom would have certainly taken me and my brother too. So 11-year-old me, I think, even even watching this movie was skeptical that you could buy as much stuff as he buys for a million dollars. Yeah. Castle would really max you out. A lot, yeah. I had very little idea about what things cost, but I was like... I bet he runs out of money after a castle and a car. <laughs> oh my God, you know, like, Look at you. You're so practical. <laughs> well, yeah. And the thing is, when, when as soon as it happened, uh, well, I remember watching this movie going like, I mean, I like a castle, but you don't have any money left over. What if you want to go to an amusement park? <laughs> like, yeah, there was at least... I thought, this is bad financial planning on the right. part of this kid. There was at least Your some father would red be flags. so proud. Yeah. Yeah, there were some red flags going up a little bit, you know. Yeah, yeah. when they were, he was <laughs> with the I, hot air balloon ride. You were like, ah. Yeah, I'm. I'm eager when we watch this movie to try and figure out uh, if if it couldn't be bought for a million dollars, how much did that check need to be written for? <laughs> well, to, absolutely to debate story. that. My question is that I that I really don't know is he, this whole thing that he's a is a kid, right? Right. Where's his parents at? What's happening? Right, because he gets this, like, weeble bodyguard that... Maybe like, maybe he's, like, a scamp. What maybe if he is an orphan like you yeah. imagined? Either, he's either got parents that are complete deadbeats asleep at the wheel, or he's an orphan. Or they're literal dead. <laughs> or they're he, either dead or, or deadbeats. He, he, does he fraud the check and kill his parents? Whoa. Or maybe he kills his parents and he's running away from the crime scene when he gets hit by the car. This thing, so this thing spirals out of control like that movie Simple Plan. Right. Yeah. Right. <laughs> Where it just seems like, oh, we got all the money in the world and then it just gets way out of control right. fast. Well, which of these plots, which has been proposed for possibly what happened to this kid's parents, uh, really happens? Won't you... Join us in watching 1994's Blank Check. From Walt Disney Pictures, this morning, Preston Waters got something. Look on my bike! Get that check to your dad, he'll know what to do with it. That's going to change his life. Blank Check. Yeah! Now, he's buying more stuff. You have a house. Meeting more women. Baby brother comes into his own. And stopping three crooks. I'm gonna get you, kid! From taking all of his money. Disney's Blank Check. All right. Uh, That was (laughs) Blank Check. Uh, And you'll have to allow us a moment. I think we have to, we can get back to unsuspending our disbelief because we are now back in reality. Whoa. Wow. (laughs) That was a special film, guys. Yeah. So this, this movie, I mean, it capitalizes, I think, on like a fantasy that a lot of kids have, which is like, once you're aware of money when you're a kid and what money can buy, I feel like all little kids have like this fantasy of like, what have you had unlimited money? Yeah, right. And, and so that's sort of what this whole like movie predicates on is like, what stupid shit would a kid do if they had all the money in the world? But not, yeah. only, not only what would what stupid shit would a kid do, like this kid specifically comes into this money at a very specific time in his life. And he also is a very specific child that comes from a, like, a really warped, like, capitalist monster family? 
Yeah, Very right off the get-go, you, it's, it's it, well, it's the dad is just coming down with an iron fist. Right. Played by the great character actor James Rebhorn. Right, which is like a name you maybe don't know, but as soon as you see him, you're like, oh yeah, he always plays the dad or the senator or the, yeah. He's, and I can't right. tell you what movie he's been in, but I've seen his face 500 times. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So he almost immediately, we, we established that Preston's the youngest of three sons, and his two older brothers are the dip shit older brothers that are in everything yes right and but they are f- for some reason given free reign of the house and free reign of all of preston's stuff yeah. because they're entrepreneurs and this is a very like capitalist family they have a job but it's not ever specified and they don't seem like you know like maybe like they work at the batting cages well, no, they or started their parlor. own company they were wearing like a t-shirt for like hand and foot but they never explain what hand and foot is <laughs> other than a disease like it's a disease you can get <laughs> it's foot and mouth Foot and mouth? Is that what they're thinking? <laughs> foot and mouth disease. Hand and foot is not a hand disease. Hand and foot. Oh. Oh. I hand love foot disease. What would hand and foot disease be? I thought <laughs> yeah. hand and foot disease was a thing. Foot and no, mouth foot disease and mouth. Is, is a disease that yeah. cows can get. Okay. Cattle and livestock. Okay. It's so a big it, part of the movie, HUD. <laughs> <laughs> So yeah. so he lives in this like crazy capitalist family and you immediately get why this kid's obsessed with money. Like the family only gives a fuck about money. Right. And, and jobs and and holding down a job. He's like, "Why wait, why do Kenny and Andy get to like stay out all night and borrow well, the they Camry?" Got jobs, son. <laughs> yeah. Oh, 10-year-old kid, yeah, you why? don't have a job, so I'm not going to give you any money cuz you're 10 and need to have a job. But dad, they, nobody hires 10-year-olds. Well, they should. Yeah. Why do we have we, all those regulations? God, goddamn liberals getting rid of child labor. My grand, your grandfather was working when he was two and a half. Yeah, he was like firing up that old Macintosh. He was like, "Hell, that thing will teach you how to do everything except make love to a woman." It's like Whoa. literal quote from this movie, guys. <laughs> Weird. Of all the things to lay at computers' feet, I'll tell you what: computers taught me a lot about how to make love to a woman. Yeah. So. Capitalist dad, you're wrong. You're wrong, sir. One thing I found really funny about capitalist dad and capitalist family was that usually when you see families that are like that stick on the ass about financial stuff, they're literally rich. This family is just... Falling on hard time. No, no. This family is like fair middle class. (laughs) They've got their nice two-story house. (laughs) Yeah. And what was... What sort of work is he in? It seems like it's just like a, a you know a government handout that like two story house in like Illinois because like he had like that one very you could only assume was just a dumb investment plan that he was trying to get into Macintosh's hands. Right, right, and and but who knows? Given the fact that apparently a hundred and sixty thousand dollars was the asking price for a castle, maybe their <laughs> two story house was merely you know thirty grand. Yeah. You so- this, this takes place in Indiana. For some reason, like, you would just see Indiana license plates all over the place. It did not feel like it was in Indiana It was filmed all. in Texas. It was filmed in Texas? This whole thing was filmed in Austin and Dallas. Piece of trivia note, the castle is a real house, and it is the current house of director Robert Rodriguez. <laughs> it wasn't his hat at the time. He bought it. Wow. <laughs> did he watch this movie say, I want that house, and then go buy the house? You know, considering Robert Rodriguez is only, I, I want to say he's like 39 or 40. Like, he's a relatively young director. He c- 
could have been like a teenager saw this movie. He's like, that house is my house. Wow. When I grow up and direct out the actual blank check. <laughs> when I direct Sin City, I'm going to. Cur- I really it. hope. He I have, really yeah. hope he kept this the two story slide. Yeah, I hope he kept that. I hope he kept the Sega VR machines. Oh man, I hope he kept the FBI agent. The sumo <laughs> uh, outfits. The um, giant ring, like boxing ring. Yeah, the awkward driver of the limo. Yeah. Right. So this gets to the a bulk, like an uh, kind of unseemly amount of this movie is just montages of like shit this kid buys. Yeah, um, and of promise. him hanging out with his weird dumpy. Uh, ta- not taxi. That, that's a fancy taxi. Le- His a fancy driver. taxi driver, which limo is my driver. new name for a limo driver. <laughs> limo <laughs> driver, but he doesn't have any other clients. It just seems like he was sort of open to be hired as a private driver for this kid. Slash private best friend for this kid. Yeah, seemed like a pretty sweet deal on both ends. Like I wrote down in my notes, who is this clown? <laughs> <laughs> and I think right as I was writing it, you said out loud, who is this clown? Yeah. No, I think this is actually a, a depressingly beautiful story of two two males meeting their first best friend for the first time. Aww. One of them's 10. Stunted males. One of them's 39. <laughs> <laughs> and, and, and in true to form, he is not Louis Anderson. He is not uh, <laughs> yeah. whoever else. He looks a little bit like a poor man's Jeff Daniels for the time. Like he looks yeah. like, oh man, I almost got Dumb and Dumber. I almost got it. <laughs> I was trying to be so goofy. Okay, I'm going to take my Dumb and Dumber audition character and I'm going to play him in this <laughs> yeah. in this blank check movie. And you just watch me. I'm going to take a Hollywood by storm. Yeah. Because I've got. S-T-Y-L-E style. Oh, man. That was such a shoehorned in little like, callback. And I am sure I said that <clears throat> to one of my friends when I was a little kid after we saw this movie and loved it. Now, you should be embarrassed by that. Here's the confusing thing, just going back for a second about the <laughs> montages, right? Sure. Because the a montage ideally is supposed to quickly show a summation of time, right? <laughs> It's like, oh, we get, need to get through these three months. Here he right? is training. But Here he we, is learning we learn a skill. at the end that this whole thing takes place within six days. Oh, right. But we have 14 montages. So it was like every afternoon needed its own dedicated like montage, whether he was racing on a racing right. track or whether he was going to the mall and having a shopping spree. We get it. He's got a lot of money. I think you're right because they're... I think we literally counted that there were four ridiculous spending montages and there would be four intervening days with day one on the first end being when he gets the money and day six when the party, the conclusion of the movie happens. Right. And in between, it's just like he he obviously loves outdoor toys. So he's got every single inflatable outdoor toy you you can have, including like those sumo suits, which were huge in the 90s. Or like that spinny yeah. gyroscope thing. Exactly, yeah, the thing to make you like barf. The giant uh, boxing gloves oh, that yeah. were like 13 times <laughs> too big. Yeah. It's really cute on him because they go literally all the way up to his shoulders. <laughs> yeah. So he's just a body with boxing arms, yeah. Yeah. boxing glove arms. How does he type? <laughs> I mean, like, just he, ask strong back. Shot, yeah, yeah, yeah. The shot of him when he started to realize that money wasn't everything and he was kind of having that look out onto the, the horizon that, like, yeah. you know. It's the sad montage the sad when he's montage, all by himself and Henry's gone. And he's gone. wearing those gloves. Man, that was kind of funny. <laughs> that inst- that yeah. shot was good. I instantly thought it was absolutely hilarious that the montages start within 
what, like 90 seconds of meeting the the limo driver? Right. He goes from, I'm not supposed to pick up a kid, to... I'm your fun best friend in your montages. Yeah. There's no arc there, guys. And he's not just, like, sitting outside, like, waiting for this kid to be done. He's actively, like, getting involved in all the games. He's, like, acting stuff out. Right. And, And the thing is, the whole time, I... Because he never takes off his limo driver suit, and oftentimes is wearing his limo driver hat... I was never able to forget the fact that he's being paid. Like, he's on the clock. Yeah. And And at least on your first day of the job, you know, with a new client, you want to try to be a professional. That's my thought. Yeah. Yeah. So given the fact that later in the movie, skipping ahead, but we'll come back to this, later in the movie, Shay gets a... Shay, who is the FBI... Shit, we haven't even gotten into that. But there's a sexy (laughs) FBI agent named Shay who gets hung out to dry by uh, with the argument that she's a gold digger when it's not known that she's an FBI agent. So the right. idea that she'd be interested in the, all this money being spent is that she's a gold digger. And as soon as that came up, I'm like, but Henry is a paid <laughs> friend. He is a hired professional friend slash driver. Yeah. Why didn't he just hang out in the car the whole time? <laughs> He could have just been on his... I mean, he's a driver. I don't know why. Yeah, he, he, there was just no Maybe, Maybe there was like a... I think you're a, right. A scene that was removed where he was like, would you like to go and I can wait out here? And he's like, no, come with me. Yeah, there was you know? actually a few missing scenes yeah. that could have really cleared up a lot of confusion. Yeah, right. absolutely. They, they could have killed one or two of the montages and used that money, used that time, <laughs> one, to just give and a money. little bit of gravitas to the Henry-Preston friendship, Yeah, and another thing to explain away, um, Shay. So now let's talk about Shay. Yes. Well, I, well, we talk about, we gotta, we gotta, we need to introduce Mr. McIntosh. Great. Okay. Right. So, uh, Miguel Ferreira, rest his soul. We forgot to mention that. So, Miguel Ferreira died earlier this year. Fantastic character actor. He plays the villain in this movie. Which you said he, he seems kind of like an evil Will Arnett. He is a will, he's, an evil, <laughs> he's an evil Will Arnett to the core. They have the same grumbly voice. And they have the yeah. very, like, skinny yet imposing frame. Yes. Uh so Miguel Ferreira accidentally runs over Preston and gives him the blank check, and then Preston uh, goes and cashes the check. Now, I had misremembered and always given this movie shit in my mind because I was like, who would cast a check? Yeah. Who would, who would cash a check that some kid gave you for a million dollars? Yeah, like, I'll be right back, sir, right. with those stacks. Turns out there was a level of luck involved here because right. because there was money being laundered to this bank and uh, and so Miguel Ferreira was gonna like send Tone Loke juice <laughs> juice to to go pick this money Yo, up. I don't know. I don't know about this juice character. <laughs> yeah. right? Which okay, what is Tone Loke doing in this movie? And why he did he stop acting? Yeah, <laughs> he was great. <laughs> I feel like he was, I don't know, I feel like he was pulling, like, some heavy, like, Sinbad, like, in this. He was phoning it in on this one, for sure. I would agree with that, and I would not blame him for it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. He probably is Sometimes asking, what the fuck paycheck. am I doing in this movie? <laughs> yeah. Everyone and then was, checks better not be blank. Everyone was cashing a check, right. but they weren't blank. Oh, right. Okay. They were very, very low amounts of money. <laughs> so, so Preston shows up at the bank just in the nick of time ahead of Tone Loke to cash this million dollar check. I don't know if you noticed, but the white kid showed up three minutes before noon 
And then the black guy showed up five minutes late. Whoa. And I was instantly like, is this a statement? Are you actually trying? Because I wouldn't put it past the it's, 90s. It's true. They could have been doing that. Although, Tone Tone Loke's character, Juice, also seems like a pretty easy writer who doesn't, yeah. who does it, who shows up when he wants to. Yeah, I don't know if Juice is, uh, you know, really paying too close attention to right. the time. Yes, I'm, hence, hence my, <laughs> yeah. My wonder. And he's a low-level thug. Yeah. Like, I can stop quick. Get a muffin first. Right. Yeah. <laughs> and some butts. Oh, yeah. And he scopes out literally. So this bank is filled with hot female bankers. Right. There are at least three hot female bankers, including yeah. Shay. And we, so we meet Shay, uh, and she is an undercover FBI agent working at the bank and totally flirts with Preston when they first meet. It's hella fucking awkward. It's really awkward. Yeah, not knowing he's involved at all. When he wants to start an account with $11. When he is just a kid. When he is just an 11-year-old boy and she's a 26-year-old woman or something. You know, we'll get through the whole thing, but I'm starting to wonder after watching Shay's uh, interactions with him throughout the film if Shay, in the future might also be the subject of an FBI investigation. Right. Are we having a bit of a, like, babysitter, like... Very meta. Like, hot for teacher yeah. thing yeah. going on here? Yeah. Um, because, spoiler alert, <laughs> at the end of the movie, she kisses him on the lips. On the fucking mouth. Like, they do the head tilt. They do the, like, this kiss means something. At the very, very end, <laughs> at the very, very end, the interaction is... Yeah. When can I see you again? Well, why don't you call me in 10 years? Five. Seven. Six. Okay. <laughs> Negotiate Fresh. at what point? They will, like, get it on. Barely and legal. Then, and then they slow motion kiss on the fucking Eyes mouth. Eyes closed. Heads tilted, lips oh, pouted. It was hard. And guys, that's not okay. So that, this director, Wainwright, right? Yeah. He, wait, Rupert. It's not Rufus it's Wainwright. Rupert, Ra- yeah, Rupert. Rupert Wainwright, not to be confused He's with, with Rufus. legendary <laughs> composer right. Rufus Wainwright. So, so <laughs> this director had to go to this actress, whose name is Karen something. All right, and then you kiss him. Wait, how do I kiss him? You know, just you know, like turn your head and kiss it. Wait, how serious do I kiss this eleven-year-old boy? It do just, I kiss him on the forehead, on the look, cheek, look, on the like a cheek? Wouldn't have been. You'd have been like that was corny. But like, what? I mean, the lip kiss. I mean, like that was a decision made, and like, like she had to have at least been like, I don't know, and like somebody like stuck their gun, their heels in the sand, and were like, look, no, it's got to be that. He's got to get the girl at the end. Well, yeah. I, okay, so in a very warped world where I'm actually going to play devil's advocate for why. Okay. In the course of six days, that child gets to experience everything he wanted. So if he got the kiss on the cheek, it, it it wouldn't fully encapsulate him experiencing everything on his list that he wanted, other than number one on his list, which was knock off, knock off his, his brother. brothers. Yeah, which I just have never used that term "knock off" unless I'm like in a sketch about uh, mobsters, mobsters yeah. right? It's like knock him off, but uh, you know, make him swim with the fishes. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> hey, little Tony, knock him off. 
So with when he gets this money, he then proceeds to go and buy a castle, as we mentioned. And this castle's initial going price that for some reason Miguel Ferreira is there to buy with the money he doesn't know he doesn't have for like $160,000, guys. Yeah. There's a lot of this movie where you have to suspend the idea that odds makes any sense at all. There's the odds that any of the events in this movie would take place are like a billion to one. What was the young or uh, young? They were the old farming couple that he was taking their yeah. castle from. Yeah. Like, yeah, how was he like eminent domaining their castle with their 160? And they're like, this is not, this was below what we were asking. I'm like, yeah, I would imagine for a fucking castle, you ask more than $160,000. Uh, but then Preston using the marvel of a computer, which made me reflect on the fact that this movie is one of the few movies that takes place in a time period after personal computing is a reality, but before it's an ubiquitous thing. Right. Like, they have to invent a reason that he has a computer in his room. That, like, this 11-year-old just wouldn't have a computer because this is 1994. So computers are fucking expensive. You don't give one to a kid. They're like no. fucking three, $4,000, that thing. <clears throat> yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, they dropped some big fucking money to put a Macintosh computer in this kid's room. And so he, like, ends up winning this castle. Then we get into all the montages. So he names this mysterious benefactor with all the money Macintosh after his computer. And this is where the Willie suspicion of his belief goes even crazier. Cause no one asks who the fuck this guy is. Where's his money from? What's his first name? Even where does he live? <laughs> he obviously doesn't live in the castle cause he's never home. I would find that acceptable for many of the things that actually occurred because the kid is just like, oh, I'll pay you cash. Mr. McIntosh gave me cash. So most of the things he purchased, you know, that would be acceptable. But the fucking castle, it never went into escrow. Yeah. They never needed to do any, like, you know, I don't know. I've never bought a house. What do you do? <laughs> Speaking of I've never bought a house, he, Preston, while on the phone, talking through his computer, making the bids live against Miguel Ferreira, knows things about closing costs and brokerage fees. He <laughs> says he offers 200 and I'll throw in brokerage fees and closing costs. And I heard that and I go, <laughs> yeah. Those are things. They yeah. sound like things. I'm a thirty. I'm a thirty-three-year-old man. I don't know what you go into buying a castle. That's three percent below escrow asking price. <laughs> She's like, what the hell is this? She's like, I'm, I'm seeing nothing suspicious with them. Yeah. Maybe that's what his dad does. Oh, oh, you're right. His dad, because his dad came up with the pre, the pro prospect prospects. The prostate? The probate. <laughs> He's like, I saw your prospects. Prospects. Prospects, Dad. Come on. Oh. It's like you're the only one in the family who's done a $300 real estate deal. But at the, so at, he gets that castle and everything is explained. But the end, he has that huge party that hundreds of people come to now they're all adults they're all they're all old adults they have tuxedos right it's a so black tie talking, affair right like you, you as as you would getting ready for a black tie party where are we going tonight oh john well i'm good to see you at this uh, party for macintosh yes i'm glad you know macintosh as well well yeah i mean i i don't actually know him i actually just got this Actually, I got this invitation in the mail, and it, I got it today, but luckily the wife and I weren't doing anything. So. Yes, some some 10-year-old kid stopped me outside of a mall and handed me a stack full of fives, and I decided I would show up. <laughs> yeah, like, 
so there's a woman who's the party planner who is affecting this weird Kira Sedgwick accent. She's Misty Macintosh gonna be coming by. <laughs> it's the worst accent I think I've ever heard. I wanted to just fucking I Such hated a weird it so choice. bad. They 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 like allude to it later. Like the the limo driver kind of makes fun of her. Like ma ma ma, where'd you get this lady? Which led me to believe that. In the script, she's probably indicated as, like, has a weird voice or whatever. The actress really took it and ran with it. (laughs) Right. She owned that weird voice, guys. She had a whole thing. So, but before the party happens, the date, which is the easily the weirdest part. So, it's it's important to draw the lines as to how we get to the date. So, she's the FBI agent, and she's working at the bank. And just randomly, after some... After one of the montages, and this woman, who we've never seen before, and we'll never see again, brings all this money in, and she's like, oh, yeah, no, Mr. McIntosh hired me to do so-and-so and such-and-such, and and he's got She was the real estate agent. Oh, I only saw it from the back. Okay. That's why she had the cash. She's like, he's got so much money. And so, um, Shay, the- uh, Sexy FBI agent. Sexy FBI agent. Um, Puts the thing, puts the money under a black light and just says, FBI on it. (laughs) In glow in the dark ink, they just stamped FBI on every one of them. That's how they get them. Yeah, and this Uh, is the moment where she's like, all right, Mr. McIntosh, that's the guy that's the money laundering. We know exactly what's going on. And so she instantly, like, rolls up in on uh, on Preston's world, and he's just like, I love you. Yeah, we get to see some sweet male gaze, uppy-downy style of... From the eyes of a 10-year-old. And the thing is... Like, this actress has got legs for days. I'll give her that. And she's in a mini skirt the whole time, while she's whether she's working at the bank or on at a uh, at a date. And this or at is this back party. in the day when it was normal for a woman to wear heels every single day for 10 hours. God, I'm so <laughs> glad that I no longer live then. Uh, yeah. So, so, yeah, she comes around investigating Mr. McIntosh. Preston, like, who's enamored with her, like, somehow convinces her to come out on a date with him. And she, through the ruse of, I guess I do need to get information on his boss, Mr. McIntosh, I'll go on this date. <laughs> yeah, it just it wasn't very clear what her intentions were on that date, you know? <laughs> yeah. It's like if she was, uh, we, we were talking about, like, I, I wish it's seen a little bit more inner turmoil from here being like, this is crazy. Right. This is this crazy. This is one right? of those scenes that needed to happen. Yeah, and and again, she didn't get that like kind of push from her boss being like, "We need the information, can it get in there?" You know, it's like we needed that scene and we didn't get it. We we instead got another montage of race car driving. Right. <laughs> yeah, it's the thing I say on this on this show a lot where I really feel as though it, there are never enough viewpoints from the females in the film. And you don't even need a lot. You just need one or two to just run home the plot. Yeah. It's not even like, oh, let's develop this character. It's not even something that's that awesome. It's just, it would be much better for the understanding of what's going on in the basic movie if we just got this viewpoint of her for even 15 seconds. Right. And plus, Shay, I'll give her this, like, for how little of a role she had, like, Shay was an interesting character, and the actress was very likable. Like, I, I enjoyed... When she was like on screen, and you had she had a little ten-year-old boner for well, her. Well, she's very cute, and and she's but she's also very like 
at the beginning, she's just very nice to Preston. And given the fact that his world is filled with people who are not nice to him, yeah. like, she was a character where if they'd given her more time, even though this is, like, a little boys movie, like, little boys wouldn't have cared, I feel, because you're so in love with her that more time given to her is fine. Yeah. Yeah, I guess. <laughs> um, but it, as the as the time goes on, she just she just feeds his obsession. Right. Yeah. There's never any... Ba- she has no boundary. She's flirting with him before he has money. Batting and, eyes at him. And very flirty on the date, even though he gives it... So <laughs> there's a scene on the date. They just sat down. They have not ordered dinner. She asks, what can you tell me about Mr. McIntosh? He says, I can't tell you anything, but Mr. McIntosh has some questions for you. Are you single? Are you single? A what is one. the shortest man you have ever dated? And what is the youngest man you've ever dated? She's like, yeah. Those are the questions. No red flags here. And the thing is, like, she's an FBI agent. Surely she's caught on at this she's point. She's caught on what's going on. And then later on, it's like, <laughs> that FBI guy's like, look, we've spent weeks and countless numbers of man hours and money on this investigation. We're ending this tonight. This guy better be here. And she's like, look, if... Preston says he's here, then he's here. Even though she's gone six other times to see this guy and he's been like, oh, he's actually in meetings for the next four days. Right. He's been nothing but obstructionist the whole time. And she like has utter faith. She's a great FBI agent, guys. She looks her boss in the eye and has utter faith in this kid who is totally a charlatan. Oh my God. So they have their weird date in which she is dressed in this like foxy little flamenco dress. And then they proceed to run around in a fountain and she gets sopping wet. And there's like fancy romantic music and there's like hand holding and then the water is exploding through the hand holding. And it is an adult woman and a 10 year old boy, people. It is like a romantic meet. It's a romantic date scene out of like a rom-com. Oh, God. And and the whole time you just can't get away from the fact that this kid's under five feet tall. <laughs> like she's in heels. She's like pushing six foot in heels and he's under five feet tall. She has to reach down to hold his hand. So yeah. I think it's really important. Uh, I don't know who said it when we were watching the movie, but someone pointed out when we were watching the movie what this would be like if the genders were reversed. Right. Yeah, that it just wouldn't have hold, held up at all, right? So like, like imagine... <laughs> Imagine a 12-year-old girl. Priscilla. Yeah. Priscilla, she gets the mob money. Yeah. And, and there's Miguel an undercover. Ferrer's, like, <laughs> leaning in, kissing her. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Like, going on a date, like, what do you know about Mrs. McIntosh? Not much. What's the youngest girl you've ever dated? <laughs> <laughs> and, he, and he answers, and he's like, seven. Like, <laughs> uh, well, I dated a few 12-year-olds in my time, but maybe for you, I'll make an exception. <laughs> like... What the fuck? Chris Hansen suddenly shows up in this movie. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, we a dinner date. Mr. McIntosh, huh? Yeah. Yeah. You didn't ask any questions. <laughs> so, uh, one thing that really stuck out to me is the fact that I remember when I was a little kid and I watched this movie, and the fact that he never once has a swimming pool that he fills up with jello <laughs> feels like a real oversight. Yeah. Because every time, all little kids that I knew at my age, we all thought about. What if you filled up a pool with Jello? Could you swim in Jello? 
That's what you thought when you were watching this movie is where is the pool full of jello? I was reminded of when I was a kid watching this movie that that was something that stuck out. It's like, oh, where's the pool full of jello? That's obviously what you spend some of your million dollars on. Right. I mean, like, I mean, am I wrong, I John? Spent, no, I, I think that was definitely on my bucket list. And then there would be like unlimited amounts of like baseball cards. Right. And, I think like, this is maybe little boys think of like, oh, yeah, I mean, there's like, a zip line me, involved somehow. There's no zip line. There's no, no. zip line. That's weirder to me than a fucking jello pool. What the fuck? Yeah. I mean, I, I don't I understand why there was a segment never... of what would you have bought with your million dollars? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Oh, fuck, I, I mean, like, but we're here now, aren't we? <laughs> right. We've already done that. I would have, like, what would you have bought? If I if I would say there was something missing in this movie, like a horse. Oh yeah, he doesn't buy any yeah, pets. Pets like go crazy. Get a wild. Get a talking parrot. Get, I was get obsessed with thirty the dogs. Just be like fucking and Ernest Hemingway. Hire someone to roll into your house, and and like I'm trying to think of the. Uh, what's the word? Like the late night guy who's like check out this cool chameleon. And oh, Jack Hanna. Yeah, like a Jack Hanna in, in yeah, your yeah. backyard just to show you all these weird animals. Yeah, like open up a zoo in your backyard. Exactly. Which, okay, so let's talk about the timeline again. This is this movie takes place, weird to believe, it, over six days. and yet Well, as- technically seven days because there was the day before oh, and then sure. he picks it up. So it's a one week period. Wow. Right. So during that one week, Thank not you. only is he able to buy a castle cash without it, as you said, <laughs> going into any sort of... Lock. Who signs the deed? Like, does the kid sign the deed Lock for Magadon? The computer signed the deed, guys. But you just got to put on the virtual reality helmet. Also, during that time, they're able to construct all these additions to it, including, like, yeah. the the water slide and, like, and as Laura pointed out... The house was fully done by, by day three. Completely yeah. decorated. His office was pretty dialed in. I mean, he yeah. had a whole computer rig and everything, and... He kept, like, really... He had some impressive bookkeeping. He was realized that he... he yeah. Had, he had, like, pretty much budgeted down to his last dollar. Yeah. The inflatable <laughs> kayaks were on the list, everything. <laughs> yeah, it's really weird that he, like, was very meticulous about his about his money, even though we did see him, like, just spending it like <laughs> mad. So... We get to the, so the climax of the movie, again, is this party with all these random weirdos, and that's when we have our rich kid home alone segment. Yeah. Because after the- Which came out of nowhere. It is very weird. All the guests get sent home, and it's just Miguel Ferreira, Tone Loke, and Wayne Knight lookalike, uh, Michael <laughs> Wayne Lerner. Knight type. So Michael Lerner <laughs> plays the banker in this movie, and if Academy you Academy Award nominee Michael Lerner. Who- I, looks looks and sounds <laughs> like he is the older brother of Wayne Knight. <laughs> anyway, so the three the three villains essentially are now at the castle, and we proceed to have like a little ten minute Home Alone moment oh, where man. he punishes all the robbers not with inve- ingenious traps he invented out of stuff he found around the house, but instead punishes them with the crazy extravagances he has bought. Oh, all man. of his rich toys. And I'm gonna tell you guys, I really felt like that was that was just. Just shoehorned in. Yeah, that's where this movie really it. came off the rails for <laughs> yep, me. That right there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was. You know, I was really on board until the VR helmet got cemented on that guy's face. Right. So each of the villains get hoisted by their own petard at different times in the uh, <laughs> in the mansion. But Michael Lerner specifically gets a VR helmet put on his head. 
That he can't remove. That for some reason he can't take off. That part is never explained. <laughs> I think it's just because he's an old person. <laughs> Maybe. But I think also old people wrote this because there was no... Like, they obviously don't understand how VR actually works. <laughs> yeah. Because they put the VR helmet on his head and we get to see what he's seeing. And what he's seeing is some, like... I don't know, psychedelic yeah. CGI. But then Michael Lerner starts dancing really weird with oh, the helmet man. on. It's like, the heart isn't mind control. <laughs> it's not a mind control helmet. Like, he doesn't lost all bodily functions just because the things he sees looks weird. Yeah, it didn't, like, hook into his cerebral core of his brain. <laughs> I don't like, know, man. We don't know what... Did have yeah, any of you used a virtual pretty, reality pretty machine intense. from 1994? We no, don't know what they did. That's true. That's true. Those proto virtual reality helmets might have actually like just had a like a needle that just yeah. went just straight in like through Matrix your. Style. Never forget the yeah. cautionary tale that was Lawnmower Man, <laughs> uh, <laughs> which I think James Redhorn might have been in. Right. Nice. <laughs> nice. Uh, so he, uh, he, he somehow bests the villains, but then the FBI breaks in and that's when Miguel Ferreira claims that he is Macintosh and ha ha, he is undone by his hubris. <laughs> Just in time for Shay to totally mack on and kiss Preston, all of us scream credits. And, and him and his dad kind of walk away, kind of just wiping their whole hands clean of this whole situation. Right. There's a whole castle full of gumball machines <laughs> that needs to get sorted out here. Yeah, what happens to all of the shit? I mean, I guess it belongs <laughs> yeah. to Macintosh, so now the FBI's gonna repossess all of it. Right, so now, like, the the whole evidence room at the police station is gonna look like a Chucky cheese because he's gonna have like a -a whack-a-mole next to like a few ar-47s what a funny (laughs) what a a funny police auction that would be to go to like the police auction for all the shit uh let's take it from the old macintosh place (laughs) yeah uh and yeah and like at the end of the movie so like the emotional climax of the movie is when preston is realizing that he's all out of money and he's He's in one of those like big boss chairs facing away f- behind the Mr. McIntosh desk. And his dad comes in and is like, Mr. McIntosh, if you see my son, can you send him home? It's his birthday. And suddenly my his family cares about him. And we are going to say some heartfelt things that I would never admit to someone I've never actually met before who's employing all three of my sons. <laughs> and fact, I would I'm- also never admit to my sons. <laughs> yeah. In fact, I won't even ask you to turn around so that I can meet you and shake the hand of the person who's employing my two teenage son and ten-year-old son. Look, I just feel like I'm losing him. He's been working so hard the last four days. Yeah, he said, he said I, feel like I, I feel like I'm losing him. He's been working so hard for four days. And you deliver this personal moment to the back of somebody's head that you never see. Yeah, haven't you seen Psycho? You always turn the chair around, you know? <laughs> yeah. What the hell? So, and then the, the be careful what you wish for. That's the little Oh, at the very That's the lesson that end, we're left with. The he little He goes home and his whole family they're singing and they got a cake and candles and he gets what he wants and he's about to blow him out and his dad and the happy music's playing and his dad leans in over his shoulder be careful what you wish for like is this a horror <laughs> and and the funny thing is it's like but is be careful what you wish for the lesson of this movie because i don't think it is no because preston suffers not an at all no. i actually i i will argue that it 
is the theme of the film. Please. Yes, because... All he ever wanted was the big house and all the cool shit. And he wanted the girlfriend. He got to experience, as I said before, everything he wanted. True. But what he didn't have was friends and people that cared about him. And all he and he still felt empty inside. Because money doesn't buy you happiness. That's the theme, That's actually. the theme. Right. Money so, doesn't buy you happiness is the theme. Be careful what you wish for right, would imply some severe consequences. Right. And he doesn't he doesn't suffer any consequences. No. He just doesn't realize that money <laughs> isn't everything. I mean, he does get to kiss the girl. So, like, obviously no consequences. Right. And it would have been a better money can't buy you happiness if, there had, if they had essentially... Uh, uh, laid low the Henry character. But because, like, so if, if it had turned out, if he'd been like, Henry, like, there's a moment where he's like, where's Henry? Oh, Henry's, Henry left. Well, it would have been nice if Henry left because he's like, oh, my, my shift's over. Oh, I thought you were going to stay for the party. No, 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 man, I'm going to go home and not work. And then it would right. have implied, oh, yeah, that's right. You're my employee. You're not my friend. You know what I mean? And that could have been the moment where he really... But, you know, that's a little too I, heavy, I guess, for a kid's I movie. I think we've thrown out three solid scenes that really could have tied this movie together. Right. And were legendary screenwriting instructor Blake Snyder still alive to this day... Oh, is he dead? He passed. But not before writing Save the Cat... Which is regarded as one of the best screenwriting books ever. Yeah. And penning two incredible screenplays, Blank Check and Stop or My Mom Will Shoot. Those were the two movies he wrote? And then wrote, like, one of the definitive modern books on screenwriting. (laughs) That guy really (laughs) nailed it. That's so funny. Wait, and it's weird that his... Is there a save the cat moment in this movie? No. He doesn't save the cat. There's no, nobody saves anybody in this. Yeah, like what's the moment that Preston, we really get on Preston's side. It's probably the thing where Just he's, it's, you know, no, I think it is, is, it's kind of the moment at, where he can't afford the stuff that other kids can afford. Oh, the, so that's the crucialness of, they, they go to Six Flags in the very beginning of the movie and, yeah. and Preston can't afford anything because his brothers have stolen all of his money. Yeah, and that little snot-nosed redhead is cashing a 50 and is just like... Taking it's my everybody birthday. Out. Yeah, he's just like donuts for everybody, <laughs> no, except none for Preston. Yeah. He's poor. <laughs> Which this is one of these weird things where, like, this movie and and a lot of movies like this, like, posit this idea that kids are getting invited to parties by kids who hate them, like for the for the purpose of making fun of them. And this isn't the only movie where this sort of thing happens. And I and it always confused me when I was a little kid because. You know, when I wouldn't have my birthday party, I wouldn't invite people I didn't like. Like I invite my friends, right? And I, I never right. understood this idea. Well, it is some. It is some situations. It's just kind of what classrooms you're dealing with, because yeah. there are some small situations where it's like the parents are involved, and they're like, "You gotta invite these kids." Oh, that's right. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. I, I see that. I see this as. The parents were like, you can't not invite one kid. Yeah. So the point I'm trying to make, I think, then, is this kid is young enough that adults are dictating who comes to their parties, and he's kissing sexy FBI agents. She's at least 30. Well, at least mid to late 20s. Like, she's... A, a fully adult human being, and he is prepubescent. His yeah. voice is still like this the whole time. Oh, yeah. I don't even know if he can get a boner yet. Right. <clears throat> no. Yeah. 
Yeah, there was there was no puberty about that. I I get the impression that the kid actor was definitely old enough to realize this girl is pretty and young enough to need several takes to figure out how to act with her. You know, I would have some respect for him though if he did actually call her up once he hit. Uh, so, do you think that this movie was good viewing, like, responsible viewing for you as a child? No, this was not. <laughs> this, I, I, this, there's no, it could be, it could be viewed as a ta- dangerous film, yeah. I think. In the wrong hands, to the wrong brain, it could be, it, I mean, there's, there's a lot of, that kid, that kid, pulls enough felonies to go to jail for a long, long time, and he has no consequences. I mean, it's not, the, the cops don't even say anything to him. Like, you know, oh, well, you could have gotten in a lot of trouble. Okay, no, nothing. I think I definitely remember trying to figure out if you could feed a check into a printer. <laughs> like, because that's how he fakes the, the check, is he, right. he prints the million dollars on it, so it do, it's not in his little kid, like, backwards yeah. R scrawl. <laughs> Chicken scratch. Yeah, Laura, do you think this was? A, so, do you do you recall now? Okay. If you have seen this movie. I've seen five minutes of this movie, like on a Saturday afternoon. Was it one of the montages? Just go. Yeah, <laughs> it was one of the montages. So I've seen five minutes of this film. That was enough. Now you've seen yeah. it once plus five minutes. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Um. So I can't say this was good viewing for me or not as a child because it. Luckily, didn't have to watch it. But so then I'll ask the follow-up: Would you show this to your own child? Should you have one? I found this movie a little insufferable. So <laughs> has no redeeming qualities. No, <laughs> no. So I I wouldn't show it to my kid for not for any like sinister reason, but more just like God, there's so much better shit out there. Yeah, yeah. Well, so that's I think that really brings us to the yeah. iconic title question. John Clavier, do you still love it? I don't. No, my uh, my feelings have changed. Unfortunately, uh, I think you got you have to watch this movie with some rose colored glasses because anything else and it just falls apart. <laughs> yeah. All right, Laura Weiss, having encountered it for the first time, do you love it? Okay, I didn't hate it. Okay, I felt like moment to moment there was a lot of fun stuff in here. But then there were other moments where I literally wanted to throw the television. It was so atrocious. And so I didn't hate this film. Um, this was one of the more enjoyable films that I didn't like. But no, I do not love this movie. <laughs> you know, I'm going to join you. This is definitely one of the more enjoyable movies that we I ultimately didn't like. I loved to hate this. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Well, because it is a movie... Like, the insufferable ridiculousness of every scene after a while starts really getting to... So we then all just started kind of heckling the movie (laughs) for the rest of the movie. And it is a really fun movie to heckle. Yeah, so maybe the the better question, because I I can't lie, I kind of love to hate it. Yeah. Yeah. So, John Clavier, do you love to hate it? Yes. (laughs) (laughs) Definitively. That's great. Well... Awesome. Well, I mean, even though I did not like the movie, I had a lot of fun <laughs> yeah. this time around 
watching it. So uh, we hope you at home did as well. I really want to thank our guest, comedian John Clavier. Thank you, guys. John, where can people find you, should they wish to find you, on the internets? You can look me up on uh, johnclavier.com, or you can go to my uh, Vimeo page or look me up on Facebook. I got all my videos and stuff there. Great. Yeah. And you can check us out at Do I Still Love It on all the places, on all the social media networks. And, um, you know, tell people to find us on iTunes, subscribe, rate, review. So, uh, yeah, thanks for listening. I'm Marshall James. And I am Laura Weiss. And we are going out in S-T-Y-L-E style. Hey, everyone. Just want to let you know that John Clavier will actually be performing on May 12th at the Sycamore Tavern in Hollywood. So if you live down here in L.A., go check him out. That's May 12th at the Sycamore Tavern. This has been a